It's sitting in my station using my equipment. Is there a reason for this, or to save time, should I just go ahead and snap your hands off at the wrist? If you enter my mind for any reason, I will twist your head off and use it for a chamber pot. You have transmissions holding. Patch incoming signal. Full audio and video decode. Purple files accessed. What you are about to see has never been shown to anyone outside the break house. Land. Welcome to Gray 17, a Babylon 5 podcast, and we are here for a very special uh, bonus episode with a very special guest. We want to welcome the one, the only, Claudia Christian to the show, uh, and we're so excited to have you here, and thank you so much for joining us. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. So just to jump in, you know, and I have to say, you know, Scott and I planned this show out and talked about this, what, three, four years ago when we were working on another podcast. And we got this idea to, you know, have a few of us that have watched the show many, many, many times and get a group of our friends to join in and watch for the first time. And neither one of us would have guessed then, let alone, you know, when we were watching this show, when it first aired, that we would ever have the chance to do this today and have you for an interview. So thank you for the time and for uh, talking with us and answering some questions for our newbies and for us. It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. Thank you for saying that. So uh, just a quick rundown of what we are here. So we've got, as Blake mentioned, a group of newbies as well as longtime fans. Uh, Blake, Kevin, and I watched back in the 90s, but the rest of these folks here, Emily, Jesse, John, Andrew, and Nicole, just started watching for the first time back in July. So they are almost done with the first 22 episodes and uh well, so you, I'm gonna... you're, you're gonna have a, a lot more to digest in, in two and three. Yeah. Yeah. that's why i keep telling them i'm like just we're almost yeah. to season two hold on guys hold on yes, i i would i would um for my own personal self uh my own experiences and you'll see the transition of the character. Ivanova was extremely uptight in season one because she was obviously the youngest lieutenant commander ever to be stationed there. And also because she was brand new. And so you have to take that into consideration that she was really trying to, you know, mind her P's and Q's and, and stay straight on the and be extremely officious and all that. And the nice thing is throughout the seasons, you'll see that she quite literally and, and metaphorically takes her hair down and and relax <laughs> the character i used to say it was season one i had a pole up my ass <laughs> so, and and season two you started to see a modicum of humor season three and four you really saw the true ivanova come out we have definitely had conversations already about when ivanova has her hair down and when she does not so i'm going to kick it over to one of our newbies nicole for the first question hi nice to meet you thanks for the time today Sure, Nicole. How are you? Uh, good. Totally unrelated. You have great hair, by the way. <laughs> I just had to say it. Had to. Um, so I'm a total newbie. I've never watched B5. I've never watched sci-fi, really. So this is all brand new to me. And like you said, I've noticed the progression as the season has gone on, how Ivanova is starting to let her hair down, like you said. And one of the things I love so much about the Ivanova character is that you know, she's bold, she's strong. She's not afraid to step up to a challenge or challenge the men on the station. Um, so my question for you is, um, you know, we really didn't see those kind of characters in females in the 90s. You know, I was a teenager in the 90s and I remember watching all sorts of different shows, but I've never really remember like a strong, bold female. So yes. how did that feel like to play that? Was it challenging? Was it fun? Uh, especially in that era when it was so male dominated, uh, you know, with those leading characters, like what was that like? Uh, it had to be quite an experience. Well, I, I was raised with three older brothers. So I was, you know, um, I, I was used to that, that 
testosterone being around me. So when it came to Michael O'Hare and Jerry Doyle and Bruce and and all the rest of the boys on the set, um, I fit right in. And and I think that the you know the the reason why they it's kind of funny because you'd think it was far more. Um, nuanced than this, but one of the reasons, one of the main reasons why they recast Tamela and Tomito is because she was too petite to to come across as authoritative. Mm-hmm. And because I have a deep voice and I'm tall, I, I could certainly, first of all, there wouldn't be that height difference between O'Hare and and Tamalin was like very short. So they wanted somebody with a taller stature. And I mm-hmm. think one of the reasons why they cast me is just because I have that sort of tomboy kind of thing I did, you know, back then, especially. But I also think that it was important to retain Ivanova's femininity once she was off work. And I think it was really important to be in touch with so many aspects of her personality. I mean, it, people joke and say, oh, you're typecast as a bisexual Russian telepathic commander in space. But the, the thing is, in the 90s, they didn't they didn't have the exploration of bisexual characters <laughs> were not made into a, a, a deal. Like it wasn't, right. you know, the, I remember in, I was friends with Terry Farrell and in Deep Space Nine, they made a huge issue of, you know, them kissing, you know, it was like, Joe didn't do that. He just presumed that in the future, it doesn't even deserve a mention that she's with a woman and then she's with a man. And then, you know, she mentions an ex-boyfriend that it just, that people were fluid and it, mm-hmm. it much like Rome, it just didn't matter. Nobody made a point of saying, oh, she's gay. So yeah. I think that was part of the really interesting thing about her. And I think the 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 sort of push me, pull me aspect of her religion, you know, there weren't, a, there weren't any Jewish, actively Jewish characters. <laughs> I mean, I think they had, you know, they sort of suggested that uh, Leonard Nimoy was Jewish in real life, but, um, you know, he certainly, there weren't a lot of classically Jewish characters in sci-fi as well. So there were many aspects to Ivanova that were unique, not yeah. just that she was strong, a strong woman, or that she spoke back to the men or told the commander or captain what to do. I, I think that it's just that Joe didn't see it much like he didn't see gayness as a thing. He didn't see femaleness as a thing when it came down to doing a job. And right. and that's why he gave her the backstory of being the best student, the youngest lieutenant commander, somebody who's so on the straight and narrow and so, so good at her job that it's at the expense of her personal life. And, and mm-hmm. so that also shows that human fallibility of if you don't devote yourself to your career in in that 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 much so and it's that much of a focus then what do you lose like right. the potential of of, of a hap- happiness so it, it i think all of those those themes um come into play when it comes to ivanova for me she was miraculous to play because i could you know i could touch upon everything once once joe gave me permission i did beg him to give her a sense of humor eventually i i got to listen up and I, and and that was great because i'm kind of the class clown and everybody was cutting up on the set. And so that that was refreshing when she finally just loosened up a little bit. But I think it was also just, it was just a joy to not be, um, you know, constantly about your looks, you mm-hmm. know, uniform and flat boots and my ponytail and not a lot of makeup and which thrilled me to death because I don't like being, you know, touched up a lot. <laughs> all of that, all the stuff that goes into, and it's funny because now I'm playing the captain of the LAPD on, on 911 and it's like ponytail, very little makeup. <laughs> Nobody touches me, you know, hair helmet. So it's, it's funny how these jobs keep going through, but when you've got the really sex pot jobs, it's like, oh God, you know, the hairspray and all the crap and false eyelashes, you know? So, um, it was a joy to play her, to answer your question in an extremely long-winded way. <laughs> it's okay. I loved it. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I'm going to pass you over to Jesse. Okay. Hi, Ms. Christian. It's so nice to, to be able to meet with you today. Thank you. Um, Call me Claudia or Claude or something. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Um, so as one of, I'm one of the noobs. Um, I am somebody who took a few episodes to warm up to Ivanova's um, character. And it's really good to hear that she just continues to get better. Cause I, where are we, I don't, we just watched um, TKO. What was the next one we watched? The voice in the wilderness. Yeah. Yeah, so we we're we're almost done, and I am absolutely in love with Ivanova's character at this point, which everybody makes a joke of because I was adamant in the beginning that I was not going to like her. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it's so 
amazing to have been able to like get to where I'm at and now we're interviewing you. It's the coolest thing. Um, I guess my question is what similarities did you notice between yourself and Ivanova's character? Well, there were built-in similarities in, in the fact that I'm not Russian, but I'm German. I'm first generation. And that's the same sort of the Teutonic uh, work ethic and all of that. And, and having parents that were immigrants, um, you know, certainly gave me that that similarity with Ivanova. Um, I, the sarcasm and the deadpan delivery is not really me. I'm more of a, a you know, lots of little voices and, and you know, I'm more of a, a out there comic as opposed to a snarky comic. Um, but the sensitivity, uh, you know, there was a lot of things we had in common. I lost a brother, she lost a brother. Um, Joe picked that up and I told him that I wore something from my brother and then he gave me that thing of wearing one earring. Um, there was a lot of uh, holding in of feelings, obviously, because I'm hypersensitive as a human being. So there's there's always that modicum of control that you try to have when, you know, so it's for, for when Ivanova breaks down, it means more to me mm-hmm. because she has so much of a wall up. And, and that was really a joy to play somebody who was so reserved, but felt so deeply. I mean, she truly, I don't want to view any, like really, give any spoilers to you, but the subsequent relationships that you'll run into, Mm -hmm. these are people she cared deeply for, but it was so difficult for her to love them. And so, so I think you'll see throughout her journey is that she's highly, highly sensitive as I am, Mm -hmm. and yet had to have this veneer of, of being professional and being in this situation of, of, of giving orders and things at a very, very young age. You have to remember I was in my twenties when I went there and I was also brand new to the set that had already been established on the pilot. So much like Ivanova, Claudia went in there and O'Hare had already done the pilot and Jerry Doyle had already done the pilot, Mira and, and Andreas and Peter. So they, they had a family already. Mm-hmm. And Richard Biggs and I were the ones that were the replacements for the doctor and for the lieutenant commander. So, so Biggsy and I had a bond and then, you know, the rest of the characters um, had already been there. So, so there's something about being a newbie, both, both in real life and in, in the show that certainly I had in common. Um, but yeah, th- th- there's a lot of similarities because also because Joe Straczynski observed us. You have to remember that we shot Babylon 5 in a very sequestered environment. We were in an old hot tub factory in a place called Sun Valley, California, and they had converted that into a soundstage. Normally, when you do series, like I did series at Warner Brothers or Universal, and you would have lots of other shows. So when you work on Columbo or Quantum Leap, suddenly you run into other actors from other shows and you go to the same commissary and you eat together and you you, you see lots of other people. We were alone. We had post-production, wardrobe, accounting, the business. Joe Straczynski was just an office away from the set. So, you know, we were being, all the producers had offices. So we were literally this commune. So there was this, there was a definite, you know, there was a flashlight on each and every one of us because we'd eat lunch together. There was no place to go. We were in the middle of nowhere. So yeah, we had our little rooms where we could disappear to and have some privacy, but the majority of the time we were all together, especially when we ate. So Joe was watching us. So you wonder why Andreas Katsoulis has certain things as Chakar. It's because Joe watched him by himself, smoking his cigarettes, the pensiveness, the thoughtfulness, and they watched me goofing around pinching Jerry Doyle's butt you know kicking you know <laughs> punching out you know Bruce you know constantly you know we, we were just a playful group and so eventually he incorporated some of our own personal characteristics into the character that is so awesome thank you so much I appreciate that I'm gonna pass you to Andrew uh, uh, hi Claudia it's a uh, great to uh, be able to meet you so as uh, Jesse sort of touched on, uh, for some of us, our feelings on Ivanova uh, has changed just throughout the first season. Uh, So no spoilers because us first timers are only at the end of season one. Uh, But while you were on the show, how did your own feelings about uh, Ivanova as a character change over time? Well, I, I started to really, really enjoy her. Um, There's, I'll try not to say spoilers, but there's a part in a certain season where I felt relegated to sort of parking cars for a while. And that didn't fill me with much joy, but then Joe ended up giving me a little bit more humor and some one particularly dramatic scene that uh, kind of made up for that shitty period. <laughs> so, um, I mean, she she became more like me, so it was easier. 
to play. Um, I don't, I'm not an uptight person and I'm not a, a, I'm not a boring person. And in the first season, she, she seemed to be a little bit of both. So, um, you know, I, I think she, she changed in a, in a positive way for me to be able to play her more positively. Does that answer your question? Sort of? It's awesome. <laughs> uh, all right. So I'm, yeah, yeah, it did. Uh, uh, so now I'm going to pass you on to your number one fan, uh, John. <laughs> Hello, Claudia. Um, <laughs> so unfortunately, I get to be the one who has not seen the light yet and have has fallen in love with Bonova's character yet, although it's warming, it's thawing. Um, but I actually um, had a question not related to B5. Um, so you have over 150 credits uh, to your name, which is quite a lot of work. But is there one role or project that you were either up for or wanted that got away? And how do you think your performance would have changed that role? Interesting question. Um, I tested for speed up against Sandra Bullock. Uh, that would have changed my career. Um, I also tested for basic instinct. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> I was too young, um, which is funny because both both of those blockbuster movies certainly would have changed my career. How would I have changed that role? Um, I don't I don't really know. I mean, I, I thought about that more with the film that I did get because I was I was up for the Kathy Baker role in Clean and Sober, but I was too young again. So they gave me a smaller role to play Iris with Michael Keaton and Morgan Freeman. And I often think of how I would have played Kathy Baker's role because it was far more meaty and and more dramatic um so I, I could see myself in that unbeknownst to me years later I would I would struggle with my own substance use disorder but that was sort of pre-addiction for me so that film was kind of interesting when I look back on it now um I I, I think that I could have brought a lot <laughs> to the Kathy Baker character in my 40s you know because I had been through seen that movie and been through that rodeo and, and henceforth found recovery. But I mean, it's it that was definitely a role that I would have liked to play when I was older and had that experience because I think I would have brought a lot of substance to it. But, you know, it, it's interesting in life. You don't you don't really know um, what paths are going to take you. My struggles ended up giving me the gift of, of a far more richer life, which is my nonprofit work and my advocacy. And I was telling my partner, I said, you know, yesterday I received this is completely off topic, but yesterday I got five, no less than five messages from people saying, you saved my life. And, I, and I'm thinking to myself, how would I have ever received that sort of gift as an actress, just an actress? There are people that are Babylon 5 fans, for instance, who say, oh, you, you helped me come out of the closet, or you helped me embrace my Judaism, or you helped me whatever. And that meant a lot to me. But to come full circle in life and now have this work as something that is actually changing people's lives for the better, besides just being a role model. It's it's quite it's quite extraordinary. So to answer your question in a weird way, I think I could have done really, really well with any of the parts that I did not get because I believe in my talent, but I also believe in the course of my life and it took that that route for a reason so that I could come full circle and actually give back to society because there was something always frivolous in my mind about living a life just as an actress. That's why I wrote books and that's why I did other things. But then when I found my nonprofit work, I was like, aha, that makes me whole as a human being. Well, it's quite an incredible answer. Um, thank you for that. Uh, and uh, like I said, I'm warming up to the Ivanova character. So maybe if you come back after, we're at the end of season one at um, a sign of Warmed up to her? Oh, wait, wait till, wait till season, wait till season two. You'll start to see her humor in season three and four. You'll, yeah, I think you'll change your tune, baby. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm excited. And I hope if you come back, then maybe we can check in. And after season two, maybe I'll, I'll have my Ivanova shirt on and, and be, you know, be in the fan club. So better. <laughs> well, I appreciate your time and I, I'm going to hand you off to Emily and, and let her ask you a question. Hi, thank you for being here. This is very exciting. Um, so my question is, you did a lot of different parts before landing B5 and now you're doing a sci-fi project. So were you a sci-fi fan before taking on the Ivanova role? No, I'm I'm a Ricardian, a Richard III freak. I'm a I'm a, a history geek. I'm a ex-Renaissance fair goer 
I'm a um, collector of edged weapons. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a tutor expert. <laughs> I, I am a, uh, you know, uh, uh, my my bailiwick, my wheelhouse is medieval Europe and <laughs> England. No, no, I'm not a futurist, not a sci-fi fan, wasn't raised with it. Um, I, uh, I've never felt of this time. I've al always, I mean, I was writing with a Venetian crystal pen until I was 35 years old, <laughs> you know, I mean, and made my own ink, you know, ground the colors, the whole bit. Um, I, I, uh, I, I, I used to work by candlelight. I mean, that's how truly medieval, <laughs> seriously, um, never owned a new house, always, you know, migrated towards old ones. So no, uh, I didn't get into sci-fi until um, I well when I did the hidden, which was sort of sci-fi. I still that I consider that sort of horror, so that really wasn't sci-fi. Then I did one little episode of a series called Space Rangers, and that and I kind of ignored that um, as well. Then when I did Babylon Five, people started introducing me to really good sci-fi literature. So um, I, uh, you know, I had fans giving me books and suddenly I was reading some pretty, pretty good stuff, but I still wasn't, it still wasn't really my, my preference. And, and still to this day, it's not, I mean, I, I, I enjoy fantasy, some like, you know, Game of Thrones, the original, um, not House of Dragons. But <laughs> uh, um, and I certainly read some stuff as a kid. I read the, you know, The Hobbit and things like that. But um, I never really, I, I just didn't get into it. Uh, I think, I don't consider Babylon 5. I know this sounds really stupid, but you have to, you have to kind of grasp what I, Babylon 5 to me is just really great storytelling. It doesn't matter what genre it is. It's beautifully written. The characters are evolved. They're fallible. They're interesting. They make mistakes. Uh, the, you know, there, there's, there's just themes that are timely and, and timeless. So, so to me, it's not like, oh, that was the sci-fi show I did. Um, when I did the Doctor Who audiobook, um, playing Perry's mother, it, that was me working with Nicola Bryant, who's a dear friend. It wasn't me doing Doctor Who, that's a sci-fi show. It was just me playing a fun character. Uh, so I don't really look at genres the way other people do. I don't, I don't sequester myself into this sort of this theme. And when people, you know, it's so funny because the, one of the main reasons why I was hoping that Babylon 5 would get rebooted is because I'm always referred to, what are your Christian best known for? <laughs> so I thought, well, at least do a reboot. So it's up to date, you know? <laughs> you know you get you do get i guess uh, um within the fandom you get typecast but within casting directors and producers and directors in this town i mean i just did a film for a young director and he he had never even heard of babylon 5 he liked me from something completely different some obscure comedy thing i did so in the industry it's not as typecast as with the fandom um but but for me working in science fiction was kind of hilarious because of my love of history and if you look at my bookshelves for instance it's just solid history and and you know so that that was kind of I, I've, I've come around to understanding the the joy of it but once again I still think of Babylon 5 as just really good storytelling oh, thank you so much Ronan <laughs> and you know funny because it's because I, I write alternate universe stuff but once again I don't consider it sci-fi per se I don't I don't even though there's aliens and there's spacecraft I it's I don't know I just see thinking it, it I think of it as world building as storytelling no matter where it is there's some basis in humanity so I guess I just I guess uh, that's the way I view things thank you so much and the making your own ink sounds fascinating um yeah it was it was really fun <laughs> and now back to Scott. Thank you. Thank you uh, to our newbies for asking these questions. We really appreciate it. And thank you, Claudia, for keeping them relatively spoiler free. We appreciate that, too. Relative. We're going to. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, no, you're good. You're good. Uh, as we uh, say on the show, I'm going to kick him out the airlock now so we can talk about uh, your current projects and, as well as maybe some other stuff as well, too. So uh, to the newbies, thanks, everybody. And go ahead and thank you so much, say everybody. your goodbyes. Yep. Bye. Thanks, Claudia. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening to Gray 17, a Babylon 5 podcast. You can find all the places to listen to this podcast and links to our social media accounts at anchor.fm slash gray17podcast. 
We want to hear from you, so please join the discussion on Facebook and Twitter. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Gray 17 is a part of the Front Row Network and NPR Illinois Community Voices. You can find all the Front Row shows at thefrontrownetwork.com. Gray 17 is not affiliated with, and this podcast has not been prepared, approved, or licensed by Warner Brothers or any other owners of the Babylon 5 copyright. All audio clips included in this podcast are the intellectual property of their respective copyright holders. They are included here for the purpose of review, and no infringement is intended. The opening and closing Babylon 5 themes are available from Falling Matter on YouTube. And what's out there? The rim. And beyond that? The truth. Uh, Claudia and talk about uh, Dark Legacies and talk about uh, how um, that project came about and everything else. I'm going to kick it to Kevin first. Hi, Claudia. It's such a pleasure. Thank you. Um, I I was introduced to Babylon 5 um, in the early 2000s by Blake, actually, who was like, you have to watch this show. And uh, I watched it all the way through and I, I it's become a favorite of mine. Nice. Um, I'm, I'm so interested to hear about dark legacies um i know it encompasses comics and and tabletop game and novellas and audio content is there a particular area of the creative development that you find particularly rewarding or do you really like it all the i think the the most exciting thing for me is creating concepts with chris and imagining the joining of universes um you know three musketeers with lovecraft that kind of thing and and thinking about how that would pan out how that would work um we originally bonded over our love of celtic mythology so that really was we just became friends and we started talking about things and i don't i don't really mind at all horror if it's done in an intelligent manner and not a gratuitous manner and i i noted that chris's writing was was really really sharp in that regard you know it was just it was exciting gore not not frivolous not just it it just read in a far more sophisticated way so i was happy to jump in on that and to um and to explore all these different themes that we both love so i guess the, the the most exciting part of this whole journey it's certainly not the fundraising that always makes me uncomfortable the kickstarter is, i've been doing that for my grassroots nonprofit for 13 years now so that's never a joy to me and i so deeply appreciate the fan support um but that's that's usually the the, the part that makes me uncomfortable but it's a must having to do um and i'm not I don't think my my particular talent lies in conceptualizing games. You know, I can put in my two cents. Um, I have to tell you the truth. I was I was playing a role playing game years and years ago, and when I was I went to this comic book store <laughs> years and years ago, and they had a Babylon Five um, role playing game going, and these people had been there already for about three days, or <laughs> and. I, I just I didn't get it. I didn't I didn't understand the whole concept of rolling you know, the, the little ships and moving them a little over here and over there. So so that sort of thing um, definitely is not my uh, as they would say my my talent or expertise. Thanks Story. so much. Story. I'm going to kick things over to Blake. <laughs> so again, and you know, Kevin jumped into this show. We've got another one of our friends who's on the newbie list now that you know didn't quite jump on in the early 2000s, but we've got him on in our. Uh, newbies now unfortunately wasn't able to be on today but um, another thing just to comment on you mentioned it in several of your responses as a member of the LGBTQ community myself you know watching Babylon 5 as a show in the early 90s with the approach that uh, Straczynski took to that portrayal and that character you know where it wasn't shrouded in some type of you know alien situation it wasn't coded but it was just it was what it was it wasn't drawn attention it was just accepted and it was yeah. meant so much at that time from a show that you know in that particular era so just to comment and thank you for even being part of that and the show for doing that i thought it was so elegantly done and i thought it was so lovingly done and it, it's the way it should have been done in, as opposed mm-hmm. to drawing attention just as if we just are who we are and it's not a big deal <laughs> you know and i and i so many young people came to have come to me throughout the years to say that that really truly helped them come to terms and to with with coming out or with 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 understanding that it's just normal 
you know, and feeling good about themselves. And, and that made me feel so honored to be able to play that character. And I think that Joe should be commended for, for many, many themes that he took on without, without doing it for the um, illicit thrill or for the, or the standing out or like, oh, look, we have a female on female kiss. You know, it wasn't anything about that. It was just about human being human. Yeah, that really comes through to the fandom for sure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry that I said that spoiler, but what the- oh no, you're fine. They, uh, I, Jesse I, I, was already, already picking up on it. <laughs> well, and I already let that one slip too accidentally, and something I posted to the newbies also. So, <laughs> um, but with your Dark Legacies project, you know, one of the things that interests me with it, and reading from the descriptions and looking at it, is the way it's set taking place. You know, after the totalitarian government. Mm-hmm. You know, there's in sci-fi, we've seen that a lot. We've got the dystopian future. You've got that, you know, dysfunctional government or the totalitarian government, or you've got the utopian future. You know, we don't yeah. see a lot that's set in this world of what happens after. So exactly. just kind of curious, you know, and especially hearing now that uh, with your interest in history, how much that's played into helping build this world. Well, I, I mean, <laughs> I spent 10 years writing a book on a Rome that never fell. Uh, and instead expanded into the galaxies um, my, with, with a lot of detriment to honor and peace and love between the humans that remain because things still existed such as slavery and things, you know, huge epic things that we simply can't, we can't say, oh, the world's a better place now. Um, so I think that in, let's face it, Chris and I are both optimists. That's the thing. And, and so we didn't want to fall back into that dark sort of pessimistic, it's been done to death. I think there's elements of everything that's been done to death, but to have a shred of hope and it, at, at the end of every, every story that we've created, there's always hope, even if it's horror or if it's violent, there seems to be some sort of hope. And I think with Dark Legacies, that's what I insisted on because I'm, like I said, I'm an optimist. I wanted to explore the idea that the reparations of what had occurred and how we learned from it, as opposed to simply starting new and making the same mistakes all over again. That, that's the, the, the thing in history, obviously, is that if you can't learn from the bad parts, then you haven't succeeded as a society. You haven't succeeded as a, succeeded as a human being if we're not growing and learning from our mistakes. So I'm, I'm hoping that, that that theme can be explored more in the sense that people don't necessarily change overnight or have an aha moment, but you see them maybe taking those mistakes from the past and making reparations. And that's that's my hope for it. Nothing overtly, you know, oh, we're going to save the world. There's <laughs> you know, a hero kind of thing or everything's going to be better now. I mean, that that's that's just not real in any sense of the word. And there'll be a lot of people and characters that don't learn, that continue to make the same mistakes and persist the same thing. It's interesting. I was working working on this audio drama I do, which has a ton of humor in it. But I was, and and you might think, ah, well, it's kind of the same thing every episode. But I noticed that the characters are learning and they are changing. And we do throughout life as human beings. I mean, you, you, if you were mean to somebody as a child and you bullied somebody and you feel guilty, you either learn that that hurts you as well. And maybe as an adult, you tend to change your behavior so that you're more kind to people. Hopefully we learn from these things. And if your characters don't learn, and if your characters don't change, and if they if they don't grow, then it just doesn't feel right to me or real. And that's, I think, the biggest challenge of this is to find a way of taking all that pain and starting fresh again with a new understanding of how to make a world a better place without being too hokey about it. <laughs> you know, without being like, uh, hey, you can, everything's fine now. You know, that's just not real. Does that make sense? Absolutely. That's one of the ways in which Babylon 5 was so different and was so groundbreaking is that, you know, the the characters did change over the run of the show. And that's one of the way, one of the reasons that that we like the show so much. Yes. And, and what I loved about it is that they were fallible. They made mistakes. They had substance use disorders. They had anger issues. They had, you know, they had they had relationship issues. Ivanova had an inability to let anybody in and then was was suffering for hurting Marcus and for, you know, all of that pain. There was so much pain in all these characters. I mean, Jakar, I mean, come on, Londo, everybody mm-hmm. was was deeply, deeply wounded and carrying this weight. And yet, yet 
some of them learned lessons, some didn't. There was, and there was also that that bait and switch with a lot of characters, mm -hmm. which is so interesting to me, which is something that I really love putting into stories where you're rooting for somebody and they just don't learn their lesson and they keep making the same mistakes and they keep effing up and they keep disappointing the reader and and the, the viewer. You know, that's the thing is where you're just screaming at them going, why? Why are you repeating the same thing? But think about it in our real life. Think about how many people keep choosing the wrong partner. They choose the same, they have this idealistic viewpoint of this is what I need in my life. And you as friends are all going, it's not what you need. She's wrong for you or he's wrong for you. You know, and, and they just don't see it. They keep dating the same person or marrying the same person. And that's their journey. That's that's their their that's their job to learn eventually to say, aha, oh, that's why I'm unhappy. <laughs> right. You know, so I think that that's another element that 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 has to be employed into most of these, um, you know, clearly a comic book with the three musketeers <laughs> and Kakalu <laughs> might not be the environment to put all of these epic themes into. <laughs> but um, but, you know, uh, I think we have an opportunity to to world build in a way that we can also create characters that grow. You know, as we're chatting here, I am texting with Chris, who is. <laughs> Sending me uh, artwork from Free Musketeers, Free Musketeers versus Cthulhu, uh, oh, and then yeah. uh, he's like listing out all this other stuff that you are working on. So oh, I mean, yeah. Yeah. I, I I I honestly don't know when you two sleep, uh, which is <laughs> he never. But, I have to tell you that it's so funny because I was I was asking for timelines, and I know that uh, the first issue of Dark Legacies is now at the printers, so that's going to go out to the Kickstarters, the people who supported the kickstarting campaign in like three to four weeks. Um, then. And the second, uh, the second one, I think, is going to be the Kickstarter starting in two weeks, I believe. November seventeenth. So, he just, yeah, he just yeah. told me that as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so there's a lot of um, a lot of dates coming very quickly. This seems to have been. Um, it seems to be moving very quickly. And I have to give Chris a hundred percent of the credit of hustling with these companies, these gaming companies, and these. You know, I'm off making cheap, low budget films, and he, he's the one taking the meetings and charming everyone, and and uh, really making making things happen you know i just show up and answer questions and and you know throw my two peas into the pod and all that jazz but he's he's the one who has the real real context and we're working with wonderful people like staz johnson and great artists and you know people are really coming on board that um not only understand the projects but i think have their own personal take on it which is exciting to see i love the artwork by the way from musketeers the colors uh, Chris colored that himself, but the um, the artwork was done by another gentleman, and it's just beautiful, beautiful. So we've been bombarding you with questions for a while now, <laughs> and I really appreciate you uh, giving us the time on that. Is there stuff that you want to talk about or hit on that we haven't really chatted about yet, or anything you just want to throw out there about what you're working on, uh, upcoming projects, or just you know want to uh, vent about something? <laughs> no, I mean I would say that you know it's always it's always great to give a shout out to my amazing executive director uh, who will probably never listen to this podcast but um, C3 Foundation wouldn't exist without Jenny Williamson um, you know we are a very small when I say grassroots it's two women <laughs> and we're desperately in need of a third employee but we just don't have the the funds so I always like to tell people if they want to really make a change in the world um, of, of addiction then visit c3foundation.org and become a hero. We've made a program where you can give as as little as five dollars a month, and it really makes a difference for us. Um, you know, we are we are a, we are on a very very tight budget, and we do a lot. We're the only nonprofit organization in the world that is dedicated to the Sinclair method. And I don't know if you all know about it, but it has a nearly 80% long-term success rate for alcohol use disorder. And I used it myself in 2009 and, you know, it saved my life. So I always try and use any platform I'm given to give a shout out to medication assisted treatment and to give to small grassroots nonprofits because we're trying to change the world and we need help. I'm very touched. I, I had no idea and I, I lost a sibling to alcohol addiction. So I, I'm so very touched by your work and, and that's, that's so wonderful that you have I'm that so in your life. Sorry. Oh, See, thank this, you. This is what breaks my heart. This is what breaks my heart is people say, and because I've been advocating since 2009 and I wrote my book in 2000, 
I started it in 2010. It came out in 2012. My documentary came out in 2014. My TED Talk came out in 2016. And people still say that they have a sibling or a parent or a friend who died because, and they didn't know about the Sinclair method. That's what kills me. That's well, what now I do. <laughs> I know, but what I'm it, no, I you know, it may come up again. I hope it doesn't, but you know, maybe I can I can point someone in the right direction in in the future. But uh, you know, my my brother, he just um, he 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 didn't he didn't want to change and. Um, it was uh it, it was it was sad but he had so much family support but it's so wonderful that you're able to affect so many people's lives through your through your work that's so wonderful thank you well here's the thing also about this treatment is when people say they don't want to change or i'm not going to quit drinking you don't have to quit drinking it, it's you don't give up the alcohol the alcohol gives you up and that's that's the beautiful thing is that you just take a medication so that is that somebody has to be motivated enough to take the medication but mm -hmm. other than that i mean it, it's it's life-changing the differences i see in people the difference i saw in myself um immediately and that's the thing is you know it can happen to anybody it doesn't matter if you're smart or beautiful or successful or uh, nothing it, it i'm a i'm a complete disciplinarian. I mean, I, I am disciplined in my life. I am a hard worker. Um, I have very high morals and ethics and, and doesn't matter. doesn't mean you're a bad person. Your brother wasn't a bad person. Yeah. It's just, it's your brain change, you know, right. your neural pathways become engorged. And if you have nieces or nephews or, or younger relatives that have this genetic predisposition for it, I would make them aware of it too, because mm -hmm. I, I've, I've given this to, uh, recommended it to teenagers and it's changed their life. You know, little teenagers that were binge drinking in college and things. Um, it can work for anybody. I've actually given it to actors who don't, who are not alcoholics, but they were going through a rough time and they like going through a divorce and used it just to decrease their drinking, you know, just to cut down because they felt like they were using alcohol too much to push down their emotions. So it's, a, it works for a myriad of things. And, and I'm just, I'm just blessed that I ran into it because man, I tried everything, <laughs> everything. So I'm grateful. And I, and I believe in giving back and shouting from the rooftops. If, if something works for you, then share it with the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, once again, I'm sorry about your brother. Oh, thank you. That's, that's a rough one. Yeah. I lost my own brother when he was only 14 and it's, it was a drunk driver too. So, mm. yeah. So it's, 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 they're, they're always with us though. They're always with There's, um, one of the scenes that the newbies have seen is uh, a scene in besides, you know, TKO where your character is grieving um, about, about the, your father. Yeah. Um, there's also a really great scene in the episode eyes where um, things to be seem to be coming to a head and you're, you're, you're so uh, your character so afraid about being scanned. And it's a really great scene with you and Jerry Doyle um, in a, in a hallway where you're, he's kind of trying to calm your character down and they've seen that and they're they've really enjoyed seeing the progression and i can't wait until they see the next season and the third season um to see all those changes in your character because they're just gonna love it oh yeah no it's, it's it's funny to see people watching it for the first time and are they streaming it on hbo max yes yeah mm -hmm. For the most part, yeah. It is. It's it's remarkable how many new young fans are coming from that. Pretty amazing. Yeah, the community is. Oh, I'm sorry. The community is growing leaps and bounds. I, I think partly because of the pandemic and people had to find something to binge, but it's still continuing to grow um as we as we continue to notice more and more people popping on. Yeah, it's a pit pity about the whole CW thing. I don't know what's going to happen, but um, and it would be nice if HBO Hey, you know, um, we, hope. we continue to click quick refresh on JMS's Patreon waiting to find out what's going to happen. <laughs> Although I, there's another secret project that I, uh, no I one will tell what I know, I know, I know, I know we're not asking. <laughs> I was going to try to catch you. I knew it wasn't going to work, but there's another secret project. That's all I know. I'm not allowed to say a word. My lips are sealed. I'm not going to get in trouble. <laughs> So uh, I, well, I can't say a darn thing about that, but um, yeah, he did say by the end of the month we'd hear something about uh, about the reboot, didn't he? Yeah, yeah he uh, he had said that uh, next few weeks. So hopefully, so that fingers be, crossed. That would be Monday, the thirty first, would be the last day of the month. So. Mm -hmm. 
Well, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't have a lot of hope looking at what they're cutting and what their lineup is going to be. But stranger things have happened. One never The one thing I've noticed is when JMS has an idea, he doesn't let it not get out there. So if it doesn't turn into a show, which I hope it does, if it doesn't turn into a show, we'll, we'll, we'll see his idea somewhere, shape or form, I bet. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, apparently he wrote a beautiful script. No doubt he did. I mean, writers traditionally don't get worse in time just like composers or actors they become better you know I know I'm at the top of my game right now at 57 and um, you know I, I, I can't imagine what he came up with for the for the new script so it's exciting when you were mentioning um that you don't always prefer to be you know all dolled up in a in a role I just recently saw the episode of Quantum Leap that you were in oh yeah and no, that into that dress <laughs> yeah. so yeah. yeah the 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 two different parts uh very uh very different but uh you know certainly yeah. i i uh i've i've just enjoyed uh having seen a lot of your different roles over the years but uh, I, I i have a special place in my heart for your b5 role for sure yeah, Ivanova was definitely, it, that whole experience was probably, probably the best acting experience in my entire 40-year career because the people, the people were just extraordinary. And those who are left were still close, you know, that's, that's, a, that's, that's indicative of, of what the set was like. It was just a joy to go to work. You know, I, I, I work on series now and because of these things, there's no love, there's no sharing of ideas, there's no running of lines, there's no working on scenes. There's no talking about your family or getting to know each other because everybody's on their damn phone. Mm. It's destroyed. It's destroyed the culture of, of, and the camaraderie and the relationships of actors. Truly, it really has. And I'm not, that's not me exaggerating. It is profoundly different. If you worked on a series in the 90s, chances are you're still friends with those people. And if you work on a series today, chances are you don't even know those people. And that's sad. Yeah. But I'm so grateful because, you know, Pat Tallman is one of my best friends and Bruce and I adore each other. <laughs> you know, Peter's the just the most amazing human on this planet and everybody. I just love everybody still around. And I miss those who aren't. I keep looking forward to when uh, Pat Tallman's going to join back onto the show because I think the, the she has a great little uh, bit to play there, too. And I think the... Uh, our newbies are going to enjoy that as well too. So we're looking forward to she's her joining my, back up. She's my co-star in the Anne Mink stuff, the the audio dramas that I was talking. Mm -hmm. about. Yeah, she's she's my co-star. She plays Jean, my nemesis. <laughs> yeah, I was actually going to comment on that because you mentioned the closeness with the cast, and you've all still got relationships. We see on social media where you're posting with each other, and you've actually got some of the cast members involved in Dark Legacies, I believe. Yes, uh, Bruce Boxleitner. Um, well, we're we're doing the Western themed uh, uh, comic book, and Peter has agreed to be in in the project as well. So, uh, yeah. In fact, he did a very funny video <laughs> talking about it. Very funny uh, cameo video that I think Chris posted or is going to post. Um, yeah, they're both lovely. Bruce and I have been wanting to work together for quite some time on a project that I um, I rewrote for him. It's a it's a Western kind of a Western family movie based on the white buffalo legacy that I've been trying to make for about 150 years. But Bruce <laughs> really wants to play the lead. Uh, and I want him to because he would be so magnificent in it. He's a really good actor and he's just a genuinely nice man. So I, I have nothing but nice things to say about all of my co-stars. The only, you know, the only time we had difficulty with somebody, we'd suck him out of an airlock. So. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to take that clip and use it later. Thank you. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, we'll be uh, knocking on uh, Mr. Boxleitner's door here as soon as I can announce he's in the show to the newbies. Although Kevin likes to slip it every now and then that he's going to be coming in here. But sooner or later, the newbies will have him in there too. And I'll be knocking on his door. <laughs> we'll get a little easier to keep the newbies from spoilers pretty soon. After I think, I think they'll season. like, they'll like Bruce. They'll like oh yeah. He yeah. brings a, a, a different energy. And it's it's really quite remarkable to watch his transition over the years in from 
this sort of uh, hey to this dark. <laughs> well, I was like the age, like he's like a U.S. president. You know, <laughs> it's like he became this gravitas. You know, now it's so funny because now that he's off the show, he's back to the howdy doody. You know, the- <laughs> well, but, but if boy, you if you watch if you watch the Orville, he's the president of the galaxy, so it all works out. I know, <laughs> I know. I've been up to that show like three or four times. Quite, quite, uh, quite remarkable. Why the heck haven't they cast me yet? <laughs> well, start uh, smacking Horrible Seth MacFarlane on the head or something. Well, we're running out of time here, Claudia. Right. I really do appreciate you uh, taking time to be with us. I, I I hope we can do it again because uh, as the newbies get to learn about your character more and also as you continue to expand this franchise universe, whatever you want to call it, I think there's going to be a lot more to hit on as well, too. But we really do appreciate uh, the time you're giving to us. We, we thank you a lot. Thank you so Absolutely. much. I hope you guys have a wonderful uh, weekend and thanks for having me on the show. We have one one question for you, if you could oh. real quick, and that is uh, John, who you just met, uh, does not know how to pronounce your character. And, and Justin, he's and Justin, who you have not met. <laughs> doesn't know how to pronounce Ivanova? Yeah, they keep saying Ivanova. Um, which... Well, it's it's it, here's the funny thing is um, Susan Ivanova is not a Jewish name. It's a Christian mm-hmm. name. And and um, so that was a kind of funny thing about the character. Ivanova is how the Americans said, said it. Ivanova is how Russians say it. You know, Ivanova. Um, Ivanova is not right from any shape or form but if you want to call her Ivanova they can but it's Ivanova <laughs> if they say it properly Ivanova Ivanova <laughs> Dushenka Maya <laughs> there we go there Klavda, we go like Klavda Ivanova <laughs> Yeah, um, but that's okay. Mispronunciation is fine. We'll definitely use that to help them along their way. <laughs> I, no, I want that clip of mispronunciation is fine because the amount of people that have commented on the mispronunciation. <laughs> that's true. That's respect. true. A lot of people say Ivanova. My mother still says Ivanova. So, you know, it doesn't really matter. But uh, <laughs> Ivanova, 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 it doesn't matter. <laughs> thank you so much we'll uh we'll leave you be but we appreciate your time and uh i really uh the other guys have said it too but um uh from an early age i grew up watching your work and i really do appreciate and i just told the our newbies this in a side chat that it's wonderful when somebody you have followed for most of your life not only meets your expectations, but exceeds them. And um, you have done that in, in spades. So I really do appreciate you for being an amazing person. And thank you for taking the time with us. Oh, thank you. You, you have a beautiful weekend and thanks for having me. Thank, thank you, you very much. Have a good one. Thank Bye. you. If I live through this job without completely losing my mind, it will be a miracle of biblical proportions. Well, there goes my faith in the almighty.